as much Deal. as you were nervous about rolling your routine out for the first time, yeah, I remember when I was at Cairns in uh, Far North Queensland and I was in an aeroplane with a parachute strapped to my back about yeah. to, to jump out. That's where I did para- That's where I did it for the first time. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking, I said to my instructor, like, who was the first guy to do this? Like, <laughs> imagine what he was thinking about. <laughs> like, I'm packing shit right now. Yeah. And I know that it's been done a few many times. Many times. Many times. And, and the guy was on your back. You know, you he's prepared like to strap or, himself yeah, to my yeah. back sure, and sure. jump out of the planes. And he and he's done it before. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to have a fair bit of confidence. However. What about the first guy? <laughs> I mean, that's ballsy, isn't it? Unapologetically hypeless and heartfelt. This is Kicking Back. With James Shramko and Joel Osborne. The Zoom one, yeah, yeah, the little one, H1. Yeah, it's great. The sound is so much better than the last dictaphone I had. Yeah, they're a good backup unit. Well, I'm using it as much. Oh yeah, that they are. It's good sure. if you plug in the cable here for uh, a digital camera. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But what if you've got your iPhone? iPhone with Orphonic is better than this as a backup. Yeah. iPhone with the little, uh, what was the one that you gave me? The Smart Lab. Smart Lab. Yeah. yeah. Smart Lab works well. It is good. Although sometimes, I don't know if it was a connection with my phone or what, but it would like cut in and out. Whatever that Welcome was. Welcome to Nerd Talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, your camera needs. Yeah, well, speaking of um, phones, that's why I was late today, James. Why is that? I slept in. Yeah. I, I can't believe this. I rely on this iPhone. Just like, you know, if I had something really important today, I'm not saying that you and I doing this podcast is not important, but if I had something really important like a flight, I would have missed it. My, yeah. my phone was on 30%. I set the alarm, put it next to my bed, went to sleep. The whole thing never went off. We were meant to meet up today at 10.30. I uh, woke up at 10 and leaned over to look at it and it was just dead. The battery had drained all the way out. So you don't plug it into charge at night? No, because apparently it ruins the battery. Now, <laughs> the battery's already ruined. Now, I was told that, that if you keep it charging overnight and it stays at 100%, that the battery of the iPhone then will uh, diminish over time. Yeah, but it won't really be an issue if it's always charged. No, but the thing was, see, last year when I was doing a lot of postcards from the road... You needed uh, the battery. I needed the battery to last because I would be down at Venice Beach filming and then... Mm, what but- is this cover it's like the super chunko version well it's a life proof but it's dodge it's not even dodge proof so it's, it's like how to turn your iphone into any chunky, other brick yes but the thing is it's meant to be waterproof but look the whole all, all the rubbers coming off around the edges like yeah. that used to have a rubber suit it's just falling apart it's like you. my old uh, wetsuit and by old i mean like three to six months yeah it lets water <laughs> in every you know the, yeah, around yeah. the neck the sleeves i i wore a new one the other day and it was boiling because it didn't let a scrap in like nothing. Oh, really? And, and, but you can always open the neck a bit when you go under and let, let a bit of water in and you're well, you cooled I, off again. Well, you can. Maybe it's time for a new but here's, phone cover. here's the thing. You know what I'm... Oh, look at that. It's coming off on the back too. But I'm all about, you know, being inconspicuous. So this phone, who's going to want to steal this phone? Look at it. But this is a brand who's new... Who's going to want to use it? <laughs> This is a brand new phone underneath, this so anyone th- would look, look at it and go... This is like those taxis with um, 
you know, vo- they've got plastic over the, the seats. Over the seats, and, yeah. But or, or your, um, or your old Greek grandmother. Exactly. Yes. And they're like, they'll actually have the, they'll never sit on the leather because you'll be always just sitting on plastic sure, sure. to protect the leather. But what's the point? Because well, you'll never get to sit on the leather. Here's the thing, my mate Andy, the opera singer, even has a bigger phone. Like, it's like chunky. It's like, looks like something that just returned from war. It's ridiculous. And, the reason why he does that is he got the new iPhone 5 when it was new, went for a jog, was listening to it, slipped out of his hand, fell, smashed. And that was after two days of having just got it. So yeah. he's overcompensating for one bad experience. Yeah. It's compromised the rest of his yeah. use forever. It has. So maybe maybe there's too much protection going on out there. Too much. People need to go back like to the 60s and f- just be free. Like a friend of mine uses that there's this little dot this cursor that goes around the iPhone that you drag around so that you're not wearing out the buttons on the phone. Right, it's, okay. It's built in some little navigation icon, and uh, it's so annoying. It's always hovering over it's the a, I'm, send. I'm annoyed the, just hearing about no, it. This is, Steve Jobs would be rolling in yeah. his grave if he knew that they'd installed that. Well, because then you wouldn't have to replace the phone. In it's like months. he didn't want people to use styluses. Really? Yeah, ha- hated them, banned them. Because the phone had to be simple enough to use without them. Right, right. Well, it is. Um, it so is maybe that's my dare. I dare you to, to take the cover off. Well, get free. a just get a simpler cover like the one that I use. It's just a. What is that? It's that's just a, a clear a, plastic. Oh right, cover. you can't even tell that it's there. It's it's uh, sheer, but it's still protecting the phone, and I've still got a front cover. And have you dropped it? Uh probably. And how does it work with putting the jack in? It's good. See, the problem with this. I have to take it off to put the proper jack. Jack in. works fine. Yeah. See, with this, I had like an extension. No, I mean, jack. look what's that? It's got like a screw cork, like like a boat or something. <laughs> look at this. It's okay. a flotation device. You're scaring me now. No, well, I just plug mine in. I've lost one phone to water damage. I um, like how we're doing totally visual references yeah, here. This on is a, good on a podcasting podcast. material. <laughs> we, we could probably put a, a picture. Yeah, of, of this horrific looking thing. Of the offending units <laughs> on the. On the, Put them uh, next to each podcast, other. But yeah. I like the fact that no one can tell that I've. Here I am talking like I, I've got a special phone. My phone's obsolete now. It's iPhone six. <laughs> I like, and no one can tell that I have the second generation of latest uh, technology on a phone. Well, you just yeah. And it also has, as our good friend Arj likes to remind me of, the rainbow effect. So, on the uh, the cover, the massive plastic sheath that's covering the screen creates a rainbow effect. So every time so you can't see so it. every time you're trying to look at something, there's this like rainbow effect that happens over the uh yeah. So um you said your phone failed and that's why you were running well, a few Yeah, because late. and I had to get up this like I was planning on getting up at before nine this morning, having my morning rituals. By the way, I read the article that you're involved in. I uh Oh yeah about what did morning you think rituals. Of that? Yeah. I thought it was good. It was interesting reading a lot of the uh, different rituals that people have in the morning. And it's such a strange concept, but it's so true that routine sets you free. And the perfect yeah. metaphor is a train and tracks. If you have tracks that are already just set down and sorted out and mm-hmm. built, then it's just simply a matter of just rolling the train. You don't yeah, have to yeah. put all this energy and effort into always steering it and paying attention what's going on it's just yeah. like just fire up the engine and away we go and we get to the next platform right so having some tracks 
laid down to progress through right. your week. Unless you talk, this is all positive. Unless you're talking to a junkie. Yeah, but then, I'm talking it, about you, train you, tracks. All right, okay. Yeah, train right. tracks. Right, okay. Uh, so routine sets you free, and that's a hard concept to grasp when you first quit your job, and you and or if you're a comedian and you never had a job. Yeah. Uh, then this whole idea that you know freedom is lack of structure gets challenged. Right, right. But lack of structure means you're just sloshing around and always out of control pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, like Robert McGee in Story, you know. It's a great, um, great book on screenwriting, but story in general. And he says, like, it's about, like, rules, you know. He says, it's mostly you know, good, right? <laughs> yeah, mostly good. <laughs> you challenge some of the areas. I, you know, you've got to question everything, really. But, um, Are he you knows, reading my little placards? He knows what he talks about. Is that what that says? Question every. Wow, look at this. this Someone is, sent it to me. Yeah. And because uh, I say it a lot. you questioned who they were and why they were sending it to you. No, they told me why they sent it because oh, they heard okay. me say it a lot. Oh, okay. But I do stare at this thing every day and it's a good reminder. Yes. So don't take anything we say as gospel, um, no. especially, you know, like your uh, mythology about battery charging yes. science. <laughs> <laughs> mythology. I've been told from reputable sources that, yep. um, yeah, you shouldn't charge your phone overnight when it reaches 100%. And how did that work out for you this morning? <laughs> horribly, horribly. <laughs> now, I have, I have a theory that... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I got plenty of theories, but yeah, I just don't. I don't, I don't know about the this phone anymore. I can't trust it anymore. To so now I'm gonna have to go back to the old fashioned thing. If I'm staying in a hotel, I got a flight the next day. Calling up reception, say, can you call and wake me up at this time? Well, the other thing you can do is just book flights that aren't ridiculously early, if possible. Yeah, that's a good thing. You know, like so, yeah. I tend to book a, a flight sort of. Lunchtime. Yeah, why not? Because you know, so you, I can you, wake up. Yeah, have you, breakfast, cruise to the airport. You ruin the day when you got to be up at like four o'clock to uh, get an early flight, and you, you know, you're well, wrecked. And then what are you doing? You're getting to a meet or going the night before. Then it's if you're going to have to be there routine. so early, you've yeah. derailed the train. I, I know the train. The train is no longer on the tracks. <laughs> so that's like it's, you, you do quite often have incredible compromise when you travel. Yeah, you're compromising everything. You your, are. your bed. Your and we food, travel so much too. Yeah, so why not just set your agenda, if possible? If you've got choices, go for a reasonable flight time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The amazing Jonathan didn't prescribe to that um, way of thinking. He wanted the minimal amount of time away from his house. So that would mean a red-eye flight, taking off, getting there early the next morning, straight to early morning radio, gigs that night. Then on the last night, which is usually a Saturday night, there'd be like two to three shows that night. And then, so you're not wrapping up until like one thirty with everything packed down and everything, and then you're getting up to get a seven a.m. flight. So back to L.A. So you just the the Sunday would be a write off, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, that's, he probably and I used to do that for conferences when I had a job. Yeah. And I was doing my online marketing. I used to have to somehow be running a Mercedes dealership in Sydney and then attend a conference in Los Angeles for three days. So I would. Um, fly out there the same day of the conference, like like get there just the night before. So um, I would then attend the three days and on the last day you go to the airport and you fly home, you miss a whole day in transport, get to yeah. Sydney like 7 in the morning, have a shower, get changed and go back into the office. Wow. It was just brutal. Brutal, yeah. yeah. Nowadays, let, let me picture what nowadays would be for James Shramko travelling. He would uh, pack his backpack. 
he would travel to the airport um, through the quickest way possible, which manly ferry, yep. and then bam, jump on the train, which cuts so much time yeah, out of pops up yep. straight in the station. The you get you're there, good, you have a nice coffee on the way. Now you've now this is a Wednesday that you're traveling, right? And you have the conference on a Friday. Hear me out. Okay. I'm this is James Shramko, 2015. He turns up there. He's already looking at the surf report before he's <laughs> heading over there. He's got in there. Uh, and then he still arrives on the Wednesday. And keep in mind the conference isn't until the, the Friday. So you have two days to figure out, all right, where do I want to surf? Do I want to go down south? Now, Malibu is close enough because the thing, the, the conference is in uh, Santa Monica. And so it's easy for you to get there. You've got a rental car. You've got a, you've got a mate over there. Well, who's Uber. Uh, Uber. Oh, my God. That's yeah. a whole other, I've, I've been converted to Uber. Yeah, so, so just, you just Uber from the hotel to Malibu. Yeah. There's a rental shop across the road. Done. Grab and your board. And then you've got two days' worth of surfing. Then you, then you do the conference. You, and then you're well-rested because you've caught up on some, some decent sleep at, at night as well. Mm-hmm. You've, out, you've sourced the best Mexican restaurant in Santa Monica yep. to go to. And then you do the conference on Which Friday. Which has a burrito the size of a dinosaur egg. Right. Massive. Right. <laughs> And it's genuinely made by Mexicans. Real Mexicans. Three brothers who, who learnt their mother's recipe. That's what you and want. The Fernando's um, burrito special is like most people can't finish it. Right, yeah. right. And, so, and, and, they, and they actually, Fernando is a real person. Yeah, he comes and serves He's you. not like Guzman or no, Gomez. No, no, he's these a real actually, guy. These are actually real dudes. <laughs> and then you do the conference, so you're well rested. You've, had, you've hit the surf. You, you, you're well fed. You, so you're fairly good for the conference, you do that, and then then you might spend an extra day or you might need to get back here to, you know. Or you might need to go to Hawaii. Why not? Break it up. Uh, breaks up the trip. Break it up on the, like on the tail can, end. Um, space out your time zones. Yeah. You can check out the Waikiki and the North Shore. Yeah. You can do some business while you're there. Sure. And then you can just have a shorter trip home. Mm-hmm. It's only like, I think it's like five hours yeah, it's or nothing, something. And then eight hours. So it's sort of or maybe six hours and then eight hours. It's mm-hmm. about the same all up. Yeah. It's uh, cost you, probably another $100 in airfares. It's no almost nothing. Yeah. And uh, pretty nice place. It is. Hawaii is great. Yeah. I, uh, for Clint's wedding, that's when I went over there last. And that was... Uh, we really need to have him back on the show. Yeah, yeah, we will. The Patterson. The Patterson. And actually, Patterson's um, started doing a podcast of his own as well. And it's really? for, for you know, people, um, rheumatoid arthritis and people who have health issues. So, yeah, that is up uh, up and running, which I think can be found at clintpatterson.com, perhaps. Yeah, he was talking oh, the to Patterson, me about... the Patterson program. Yeah. Exactly, how he might go about putting yeah. that on the interwebs. Yes. yes. And uh, <laughs> I think he'll be going just fine with it. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, he was actually a huge hit at my event i heard yes yeah, he, he, had, he had the fun on the final day apparently there was a very funny um video as he well, was we talking. do a video competition each year yeah and we set the the competition in the first session yeah and then by uh they, they have 24 hours to prepare a video and submit it yeah and then we judge it yeah now i did have him on the judging panel yes. I, I decided i'd have one person from the audience yeah which was him yeah one person from the crew, mm-hmm. which is our good friend Sean. Yes. And one one speaker. Mm-hmm. And so I had Kevin Rogers, who's yeah. uh, a comedian. Right. As chance would have it. Right. So we had three comedians up there plus me. Mm-hmm. 
And Clint's entry to the the competition was very very strong, mm-hmm. really good. It was mm-hmm. it was about a baby carrier, right? Yeah, the and bugaboo, bugaboo was it? Yeah, and he had, and we could put the video of this. I think it's bugaboo something like near that, the yeah. near this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Show notes, but he did have a special guest appearance. From <laughs> he was in a dog park, and sometimes in dog parks, dogs you know do things. They leave little mementos of their bugs. visit. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> One of them happened to do this, just. <laughs> Just within a shot. Unbeknownst to Patterson. Unbeknownst to Patterson. Well, me- meanwhile, he's swirling the camera around uh, his baby and uh, who seemed like an unwilling participant. <laughs> he's doing like crotch zoom shots and it was just very awkward. Yes. Uh, and he was so into the, the conversation, I don't think he noticed any of, any of right, this right, right. And, until we actually played it so live on stage. It? Who was He was filming it. Oh, so all right. So, like so imagine he's there video. with a... With a baby in a baby carrier, and he's right, right. holding his arms out in front with the with a camera, and he's uh-huh. filming back past his baby th- to him, and then in the background, this dog's doing its business. Fantastic! And the crowd just erupted; they roared. <laughs> it was it was quite humorous, and he probably could have won if he wasn't excluded from yeah from, from the yes because yeah. there was a certain amount of bias. Yeah, yeah, sure. But he was very popular. Well, it just goes to show how you know shit humor works. It it does like you know um, poo jokes. Poo jokes. Stuff. Poo jokes. There's not much. And, and add a dog funny. to it, then it's oh, that's, that's dog taking done. crap. Done. I, I mean, when I took my kids to the Easter show, that was one of the highlights. Yes. We went to the. Uh, I mean, you do the usual stuff at Dodgem Cars and the, you know, driving a V8 supercar around Bathurst Simulator, all that sort of stuff. And then we um, went to the, sort of past the agricultural section and they have the sheep dogs rounding up sheep in the paddock. Yeah. One dog day, he was pretty, had some business to do. <laughs> so he manages a packed auditorium, like wall to wall audience. And the dog just says, you know what, I'm not, I'm not afraid of a little bit of an audience. Yeah. <laughs> And he, he gets all and how, prepared. And how was the audience reaction? Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it really is a crowd pleaser. It so is. I've seen it, it is. in two different environments, <laughs> and it, and it's brought the house reaction. down. Big wow. reaction. Brought the house down. Maybe that should be a show, a yeah, comedy well, festival show. Should be just the like dog, just dog, dog poo, yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Business time. <laughs> the um, speaking of comedy shows. It's the reason why we haven't done a podcast in so long is I've been away for for so long. In Melbourne. Doing the Melbourne Comedy Festival, Adelaide Fringe Festival before that, now the Sydney Comedy Festival, and then next week off to the Perth. And you've been one of the few artists who have sell out shows. Well, yeah, luckily. Luckily. I don't know. Are they selecting worse comedians? Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. Or are you getting more famous? It's ridiculous. Is this this podcast a vehicle? Oh, look out. This podcast has done it. Although one person turned up. Um, from the podcast, oh, I'm guaranteed one, of. You had one who, per- who, I'm, who I know. One person turned up. Yeah, yeah. Who, who I can guarantee came from this podcast. And it also seems that you have. Uh, was it Greg? It was Greg. <laughs> hey, Greg. Shout out to Greg. Uh, we we can count on Greg. It was good. So Greg, was- we went, Greg took me out for dinner as well. Greg's a nice guy. Greg, Greg and his lovely wife. We went out for dinner at um, Bistro Dorsey, which is a great um, French restaurant. On Collins Street, next to the Athenaeum in Melbourne. It seems though you've you've got a little bit of crossover audience here now. They share on Facebook when you're performing. Yes, yeah, you and I, I yeah. appreciate that. Was very nice of you. I, I put I put up something on. You know what I'm like with Facebook and yeah, all that. I'm oh, very prolific. I'm, yeah, oh, unbelievable. <laughs> and well, I, I made I made myself become more proactive over these past couple of months on Facebook. 
And um, and yeah, yeah, it's like you know, it's like a little community. You know, I put something up. James is kind enough to, to share it to share it, and then people like it and put comments. And, and that's, you know, it's that's an really interesting content. It is the foundation for um, harnessing people's natural tendency to socialize. And, yeah, and yeah. Um, gossip but, and talk uh, about I, what's happening. I've always been so reluctant with it. Like I had an interview the other day with um, the radio um, host James Valentine. I was thinking, on ABC. If I was writing my material at a little children's desk, I might be reluctant. Too, but, <laughs> but that was probably too mean. <laughs> That's like an inside joke. Yeah, I think but, that only. <laughs> I, but I think your material's so good now that you can be proud of it. Yeah, yeah, something to stand behind. Because you've road tested it now, yeah. so you'd be pretty confident coming into Sydney. Yeah, yeah, and you're, you're coming to the show this week. I am. I'm very and, uh, excited about it. Yeah, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fun to uh, it'll be fun to have a chat afterwards about it. But um, yeah, they'll, they'll, there's um, yeah, you, I've run it in. Definitely run it in now. It's uh, you know. So how long do you get from that? Will, will some of the material last for the rest of your career, and, yeah, and others will be mixed, interchanged? Well, you know, there's a few classics in there, you know, but there's um, you know, that new chunk in the new underlining narrative to the show and the ending, and yeah, it's um, there is a lot of new stuff in there that's uh, kind of works within the concept of the show. But if you take out one bit, uh, I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see when I get done with the festival. So you know. do you build up excitement, ready to release it? You know, um, get it out into a fresh um, up no, it was mo- it was more actually um uh i don't know if excitement's the best word um trepidation yeah. perhaps beforehand <laughs> shitting <laughs> yourself yeah yeah because yeah. the, the first just look if it all turns to crap just get a dog in the act yeah dog pull out the dog pull and the dog. done done maybe you could a well fed dog clint maybe he could come out and take a shit yeah, well yeah because yeah, he's got experience he does he does and he knows that it kills so <laughs> so it could uh yeah, that could work. He, Clint dressed as a dog. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be the best. <laughs> the, uh, this is a whole new wave of comedy, I think. Yeah. The thing is, though, the first night I was like, oh, my God, what am I, you know, I hope this works. You know, the first week leading up to Adelaide, I hope Agonizing. this works. Yeah, because yeah. knowing that the whole ending I've never done before, major chunks in it I've never done before. So, have and having it have to work. These major chunks had to work in order for the ending to work as well. So first night I'm there in Adelaide and I look up just before I'm about to go on, um Artie who runs A List and he's like CEO of A List Entertainment. He's um he's there and I didn't know he was gonna be there. I'm like, oh great for the first show. You know, Artie's there and then I then I look I when I'm on stage and there's a reviewer there writing in a notepad. I'm thinking, oh the first night, this is brutal. Thankfully the show went real well. And then, and you know, I don't like to read rev- my reviews or anything, but then you find out, like I called up A-List and one of the girls from the office said, have you read your review? And I'm just on the way to a radio interview and I'm like, oh, no, this is the last thing I want to know about. Thankfully, it was a great review in the advertiser in Adelaide and yeah, it all, it all worked out. What so, did you talk about on radio interviews? Well, I had an interview the other day on ABC with James Valentine and we we're talking about, because uh, I thought, oh, I'll quickly put this up on, as, um, on Facebook. You know, to say that I'm on the radio because I, I thought, you know, I've got to get more proactive. I've got to stand mm-hmm. by that this for the month. And, um, and I said to him, as we were talking before about going, I said, sorry, I just got to put this on. I, I, um, 
have a reluctance to put stuff up on Facebook, but I feel I've got to force myself to do it. And he goes, I'm the same. He said, you know, so here I am hosting a radio show every day when I have heaps of stuff to put up on Facebook but about different people I've interviewed and to put in links. He goes, but I'm just reluctant to do it. I don't do it. I said, yeah, same. I said, but everyone seems to be doing it nowadays. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I think we're, you know, we're the dinosaurs here. We're the ones being left behind. But then I thought, I didn't say this at the time, but I thought, everyone loves dinosaurs. You know, <laughs> come on, look how many films are being made about dinosaurs. Kids love dinosaurs. There's a discovery of dinosaur bones. People want to know about it. You know, well, there was so- a dinosaur exhibition at the Easter show. Oh, really? Do they have, like, the proper bones of... No, it was, no. like, okay. just really crappy displays with dinosaurs buying, like, sheep. And and at the end was a gift store where you get to buy stuff oh, if you're right. so... Uh, of a dinosaur. Blown away by the, the wow. exhibition. I was saying to the kids, Here's, here we go. This is the give. It's free. Yeah, yeah. And they'll, you know, look out for the gift store yeah. at the end. Would you have to walk, exit through? Yeah, people having pictures in the dinosaur egg and stuff. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, it was uh, really interesting to see the different cultures that they used to show and the way that some people just, they're just really into these selfie stick things. Oh, like really? So a lot of them. Wow. You've got to watch out for them walking around. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're so lethal. They are. <laughs> but don't fully understand it, I must say. Yeah, well, you have an arm. They don't have given arms. Oh, well, like, that is true. But, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, so with given arms. Little, like, little you know, short arms. Yeah, yeah, little stubby arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and then they need a stick. Maybe people in some places just grab the camera and run, so maybe that's why they feel a responsibility to be able to take their own pictures. Right, right. But it's, but it, it's, a, it's a hassle. You know? It is a hassle. Ha- well, take and, a and, stick and it looks around. so silly. No, think about how annoying it is to take an umbrella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least an umbrella, an umbrella, an umbrella. <laughs> what is that? Why do people say it like that? Now, there was something that I, uh, it was something, uh, yeah. It's I a know. song. No, no, no. It's from uh, like a film years ago when he goes, um, can you get me one of those drinks with a little umbrella on top? Uh, I forget what film it was, like one of those 80s comedies. Uh, I don't think it was like Caddyshack, but it was a film of that. that as much guilt. as you were nervous about rolling your routine out for the first time, yeah, I, I remember when I was at Cairns in uh, far north Queensland and I was in an aeroplane with a parachute strapped to my back about you, to, to jump out. That's where I did para- That's where I did it for the first time. Yeah. yeah, and I was thinking, I said to my instructor, like, who was the first guy to do this? Like, <laughs> imagine what he was thinking about. <laughs> like, I'm packing shit right now. Yeah. And I know that it's been done a few many times. Many times. Many times. And, and the guy was on your and back. Guy, you know, he he's prepared like to strap or, himself yeah, to yeah, my back sure, and sure. jump out of the planes. And he and he's done it before. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to have a fair bit of confidence. However. What about the first guy? <laughs> I mean, that's ballsy, isn't it? And knowing that the that the parachute would deploy properly. Like, how was that tested? Like, I, they, he must have jumped, like, off buildings or... No, no. Maybe they had like, them in warplanes and someone got shot down and then... Yeah, that's how they, you know, accidental discoveries. Yeah. I found out why they, um, for interocular lenses, they use plastic and not glass because when they had uh, World War uh, pilots and they got glass shattered into their eyes from, from you know, getting shot down and stuff, the eye would actually eject the glass huh. over time but not plastic. Right, right. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So if you put in a glass lens, apparently your eye will re- possibly reject re- it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Well, why, I wonder why not the plastic. Don't know how we got here. <laughs> but I don't Did know. Did you ever see that, that opening, um, one of the opening scenes in um, 
um, Band of Brothers. Did you ever see that? World War Two. Steven Spielberg was behind it. Um, HBO series. I just remember on that all these uh, all these soldiers deploying out of these um, planes, then just getting shot as they were coming oh, down. So yeah. it's just these bodies just coming down. It's like yeah, uh, and I think it's good that a show like that shows or a TV show like that shows you know the horror of of war. Oh. You know when some people go, oh, we don't want to well, see that. Like, we don't want to well, know. Well, Saving that. Private Ryan had a pretty yeah, graphic yeah. scene on that. Yeah, my 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 dad because my grandfather was in the Second World War. My dad thought it would be a good idea to take my grandfather to relive the Second World War and go see Saving Private Ryan. Right, but he fell asleep during it. So oh, I think he, his attitude was like, seen it, yeah. Or there, uh, what that. was that other one? Platoon, where they Plat- cutting yeah. ears off, yeah. wearing them as a necklace. Yeah, there's a pretty and a psychological course. horror like Apocalypse Now. You know, yep, it just. Yeah. Well, Apocalypse Now is um, is interesting to me because uh, apart from really enjoying the the film, let me guess the surfing. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a real story around that. Yeah, yeah. Because there is. They filmed it in the Philippines in a place called Belair, and not not like Belair in not yeah, like Belair. It's no. different. Like it's like Baylor. All right. Okay. And they left the surfboards there when they finished, and the locals grabbed them. And started a surfing community. Right. And then it's continued on to this day. So that so, created, so from that film, it created a the, surfing culture. Wow. Because they left the boards there and it had good surf break and they had now, they now had boards. And um, th- this is actually a recurring theme in the surfing world where people visit and then they leave boards and the locals pick it up. Even in Sydney here, when uh, the visiting Americans came in, the, in the, earlier on in the surfing culture, they had much shorter boards than we had. We had these 16-foot toothpicks and they had like 10-foot Malibus. Now, would this have been like, what, what years would this have been like? In the 1950s. 1950s, okay. 40s or 50s. They, okay. they came out with these Malibus, yes. which were shorter and lighter. Yeah. And, uh, and they left one. In fact, some of the cheeky locals would grab them out of the surf club and borrow them while oh, really? <laughs> while they're out. They're on display, and then and paddle back in quickly before the, they uh, before they got busted. <laughs> and then one, and then they bought them at the end and left them here. And then the other thing happened in the sixties in the shortboard revolution. Uh, yeah, Bob McTavish had a very short board, and the, he took it to Hawaii, and they saw it, and then immediately started just cutting two foot off their board. Really? And uh, then, then they also tried to claim that they invented the short board. <laughs> but they saw ours. Who was the guy that did Was it Bear? What was that? Oh, Bear was from yeah. Big Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that, that label was created for that movie. Oh, really? Yes. So he was fictitious, the guy? Or it was the... based on a guy. Yeah, yeah. But the label was created oh, for the label that movie. Was cre- oh, okay. All yeah, right. Bear Surfboards right, was created right. for so Big that, Wednesday. That was the first major product placement, perhaps, in a film. Pretty, I, I have no idea if it was, but I'm, I'm, running, I'm rolling with that. It's amazing how many movies and shows where they mention a, a website and you go to the website and it's there. Like um, obviously the, the one about Facebook yeah. had uh, Face Mash, right, which right. was his first website and that sold at auction after the movie came out. Oh, really? It was pretty popular. That was about putting up two faces and you pick which one's Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was right, his first okay. program, Zuckerberg. And that he that he was sort of famous for, and then the the other ones like uh, you know like Prison Break, you've got uh, Golden Finch something dot net. Right, it's all up there. So that, would they did they would do that before when they were writing the script? Like, yeah, you know, Warner they, Brothers they, didn't own it um, then, and then they went and bought it later. Oh really? Yeah, At a lot higher price. 
Don't know. But the main moral of the story is if you're going to mention a website in a movie or something, own it. Did you ever try to ring phone numbers in movies? Remember, like, no, they, all the American but, films were like 555 7461. Right. You know, it was I, always 555. I don't ring the numbers in movies, but I do look up website references okay. just out of curiosity. In I thought maybe this was like an ongoing thing, like old school back in the 80s, whenever you saw like an American film, 555. Although, how are you going to call an American? There was one like, you know, like um, How I Met Your Mother. There was like a Tom Mosley's is a deadbeat or something. There's a, a side in there, and it's actually up there live. And it's, oh, really? All as, as per in the thing yeah yeah huh. yeah the akmal did that in his book he had a phone number in the back of the book saying if you were not happy with this book and wanted to leave any criticisms call <laughs> this number and he had this number set up with a phone message on it and what did the message say i can't remember <laughs> that was a big build up to nothing that's no, the problem was... when you ask for feedback some people feel compelled to give it and then you don't like what they say yeah 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 so sure. I quite often and, like, and who are you anyway yeah, quite often don't ask <laughs> no so like often I'll get a new person join my membership and then the first message will be some long critique of how I can improve. And my first reaction is... I haven't got time for this. Like, what the fuck would you know? Yeah, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been doing this for seven years. I've tried a few things and yeah. and appreciate the fresh perspective. Yeah. However, there may be elements they're not aware of. Yeah, sure. Um, but then at the same time, the reality is quite often they have got useful things to say. So I get over my initial anger and disappointment at myself. Setting yourself up. And I see there's merit in their critique and yeah. I will often make changes and if I leave it a day or so, I feel fine about it. And then after a week or a month, I forgot it ever happened. Yeah. So it's, yeah, feedback it, is one of those things. Like, but, but it's like someone who thinks they're an authority without any credentials. You know, that, that, like sometimes you, you people that aren't qualified, so you have to question everything. Is yeah. this person qualified to comment on this? Yes yeah. or no? Well, it's like with comedy. You know, everyone is such an authority oh, because they go, "That's not funny." And it's like, hang on, like, how like, are I'm, you to say what's yeah, funny? Yeah, yeah, I thought but, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So, and so, you off, like the cr- critique in the newspaper, uh, they've probably got well, a lot of stuff going on in their life. Yeah, I, I, I steer clear to reading reviews throughout the festival, but you know, comics are talking about like you know shows that I've seen and I, I, I know to be good, and then it gets you see a show that gets a bad review, but then a show that gets a good review. It, it's same show, two different reviews. So it's so like, hang on, so it's so subjective coffee on their dress in that that day or something yeah like, yeah so they went in with a pre preconceived idea I, of what like it's it really is uh it's hard to say what's good or not because we're all so different yeah yeah sure sure and and also too like i knew that reviews were out the window when i saw bob dylan years ago and it was the same review for the same concert and two headlines sorry two different reviews for the same concert one review said dylan doesn't disappoint and the other one said d for disappointment so, you know, they're, they're scraping the barrel so there. So sometimes headlines maybe and... the journalist is looking to push their own agenda and sure. you know, be known for controversy and stuff. But you can, yeah, and you can get an idea. It's like, like, like my theory on people that criticise others reveal so much about themselves through their criticisms. And, and right from the get-go in this review, it said Dylan, because uh, it was at the Byron Bay Festival, the Blues Fest, and it said Bob Dylan um, said that the, all of the video screens have to be turned off so we had to rely on his music for our enjoyment. But that's kind of the, the deal, isn't it? <laughs> well, I had to see a review of an unplugged concert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no amplifiers. Yeah, no, but, but we could see him, so it was fine. 
you know. <laughs> we could see Bob, so it was fine. We couldn't hear him, but, you know, we got a lot of enjoyment out of You know, it's like, what are you talking about? Well, it's like that uh, there's, there's often a study referenced in my circles about some super violin player who plays at oh. the, the, the best violin concert in Not the Andre world. Roo. Probably. No, and no, it wouldn't be him. Yeah. And then he does busking on the street corner and oh, hardly yeah, earns yeah. like two bucks. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the same violinist. Yeah. And the, the me- message in that particular story is about environment. Yeah, and, and perception. Uh, which is why it's okay for you to promote your own stuff in social media because you're the same artist. Mm-hmm. But if you set the stage properly, if you put yourself in the right environment, then your value can go up. And and but and, and what way would that be as say well, an online example? Paint yourself the theatre instead of being the busker. You right. know, relying on on the goodness of strangers. Get yeah. yourself into the into the good theatre and pack yourself out. And there is a, a certain perception that gets, oh, well, that you're leveraging a, and yeah, carrying yeah, along with sure. that. Yeah, it's, it's and his guitar was and apparently this violin was worth like fifteen thousand dollars or something. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. the same thing happened with Tommy Emmanuel. I remember they did a test on that where he went down a circular key and was just you know shredding it up on his guitar. No one was really interested, and it was Tommy Emmanuel. Yeah, yeah, disguise and what have you on. But yeah, but when when you said then paint the theatre, it reminded me of own the race course. And Clint and I had a big laugh the other earlier in the week, last week, where um, he said something to me. He goes, Joel, own the race course, and I said, I'm like some. I'm not even uh, I, I, the only thing that I'm doing is I'm like this horse with a bung knee in the race <laughs> because I'm I'm ready to be put down at the pasture. Well, that's <laughs> how, that's how, right. You're at the mercy it? of the you know the guy who owns the comedy theater. It you know some acts will bomb, some will be fantastic, but yeah. he, he's probably all in all he's still selling drinks and and yeah. food and yeah and going into tickets. receivership. <laughs> some of them will. Some race courses get screwed over. Yeah, yeah. Like you want to go up the ladder. And, and yeah, yeah. It's all about ownership and less compromise. Sure. But sure. you're fairly compromised if you're reliant on everyone else. Yeah, yeah, So you if are. you can be more self-reliant, you have well, less yeah. compromise. And, and Jamoan said this years ago, like, like must have been 15 years ago, he said 90% of everything he's achieved, he's generated himself, you know. So you can't rely on anyone else to, you know. That's it. Even if people open doors for you, you still got to walk through them. Yeah, good point. Good point. Some people are just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Uh, Especially in in my market, people get sucked into this secret bullshit. Just think about something that will happen. Yeah, yeah, the positive visualization. How's that working out for you? (laughs) (laughs) You It doesn't really work. It's like people that take protein shakes, like bodybuilder protein shakes, but don't lift any weights. I'll think about it and I'll drink a protein shake. I don't think I've ever seen a bigger protein tub than the one in your kitchen. See, this is what you may be looking at me now, James, and think, Joel's lost a bit of weight. Have, has that thought crossed your mind at all? To me, you've always looked lean. And, okay. And I know all that right. part of your routine involves something that would require you to not get too chubby. Or you'd come but, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I dust off for corporate events and uh, yeah. yeah, certain uh, yeah, certain uh, certain shows. But yes, it was. I've gotten to doing this program, which I think I've mentioned on Kicking Back before, where it's like T twenty five, and where you do this 
max cardio interval training. As long as it's got a letter and a number combo, it's going to be awesome. And it's great, and I vouch for it. (laughs) Like PX90, I've never done that, but apparently that's very good. But then I did this other program, Insanity, which was a continuation. Then Insanity Max and Insanity Max 30, and it just kept on asylum. It was nuts, right? Crazy. Committed, fully committed. And I did eight months worth of it, and suddenly I just went, it, uh, I don't know about this. I no number myself. in the thing. No, no number. So no, that's the problem. That was the issue. Eight months. Yeah, insanity max eight. So I got to the point where I had lost so much weight that I went down to seventy three kilos. Ridiculous. Really? Now, yeah. And, oh, and is and, that good or bad? No, not good. Not, not for me. Good. Not not for a six six two and a half. You know. Are you stressed? No, I was stressed that I'd lost so much weight from. And it was just too much cardio that I was doing. So I haven't I haven't done any physical exercise in a month now. When I went down to Melbourne, I uh, I said no more exercise. I'm just going to eat a lot of food. I found this like all you need to do is just surf. Everywhere. I know, I know. And then I was thinking about you doing your thing. Oh, look at that, Mister Ripped. Yeah, like oh, just oh, from surfing. That. Yeah, yeah, nothing that's else. Good. Just surfing. You yeah, mean, pretty much. And surfing. and and the good thing about surfing is you're a natural. Um, you know, it's natural workout. You're motivated you're... for it. It's it's um, low impact. Yeah. It varies. Every day is different. Yeah. Um, building the building good strength in your back and your yeah. core, yeah. stomach and chest and arms and yeah, legs. yeah. Well, working out everything. Over. Yeah, it's so, a good one. So um, that's yeah. pretty much the solution to everything. Just go surfing. Just got to add a digit and we're set. Yeah, surf um two point Yeah, yeah. S- surfing seventy seven or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just add a number and then, you know, then you're legitimized. You don't see many overweight surfing pros. No, you don't. You don't. see a lot of overweight golfers. Yeah, or cricketers. Cricketers, yeah. They spend see half many... the time just standing around. Yeah, they do. It's, that's, that's not a sport. That's like chess. And Put then there's the some sports category. where you have weird body builds, like uh, women's bicyclists, yeah, sprinters. Or, w- or women's shot put. Yep. So that's... That's uh, you don't want to get a sport that yeah. accentuates the wrong parts of your body. No, no. I've often thought, imagine someone that just works out. You know, well, I guess it is. You look at like Rafael Nadal. You know, he's got a really built bicep. You know, for his his racket hand. He, but his other players have great bodies. But but no, but the other arm though is like withering. It's like Richard the Third. Oh, that's you know, not good. It's, it's like there's one like massive... just come out of the cast. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I saw so, a guy with a pink cast the other day, and oh, I'm thinking, well, that's a statement, isn't well, it? Well, he's 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 comfortable with what he's doing. Yeah, I, I, I imagine they give you a choice of color. Yeah, what would have to happen for him to say you make it pink? Yeah, well, you know, he's making a statement, having fun with it. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I'm comfortable with where I'm at, who I am. Yeah, but I, th- I think you could be too comfortable sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, did, that, did, did that make you uncomfortable? I thought it was unusual. All right. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe wonder why he chose that. Well, we're getting to like maybe the word I read play. too much into it, <laughs> into the color of his cast. <laughs> but I question everything. I'm like, why would he choose pink? I question everything. Exactly. I do. Why would he choose pink? We should have asked him. I would next time. Yeah. He was a little. Far, it it far would turn away. into a very Kerbier enthusiasm. The thing is, Larry could, David moment. and he might think I'm a little odd. Excuse yeah, me. and you you would make him uncomfortable. I could. So yeah, I didn't by like questioning your position. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh. I mean, he's already compromised already, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. That's time out of the surf. He was a long way down the street too. I could see it for you a could long see him from way. a distance. Yeah. Are you sure it was a man and it wasn't a, like a girl? Or? No, it was a man. Okay. Although sometimes, you know, it's a little game, man or woman. You know, yeah, like yeah, you see, yeah, yeah. see someone and you can't quite tell. 
Yeah. There's some very manly looking females and there's some very feminine looking men. Man, yeah. Especially in the surf. Lots of skinny, long haired guys look like chicks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from a from a distance. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man or woman. Man or woman. It's a, I don't it's, a, it's it's a game I don't want to ever be the target of. No, no, that happened to a friend of mine in in oh, a friend of mine's friend in Bali back in the eighties. He 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 promptly found out that it was a man. Ah, uh, well, some of those places it's yes. apparently <laughs> down the, back alleys in Cuda. The men, women are like eighty percent more popular or something. Yeah, know, yeah. Well, but in isn't it in Thailand? There's something where I don't know, like the females like Bangkok ladyboys. Yeah, and, but it's like it's a, it's a career. It's like a oh, it's, very it's, it's much looked so. upon as well. Wow, yeah, very very good. Well, well to do. Yep. Yeah. yeah, some of those – there's um, – it's almost because it's so forbidden in those cultures that where it's celebrated in those little places, it's yeah. really strongly celebrated. Yeah, sure. To some drag queen. It is interesting. Yeah, in, in cultures where things are suppressed, usually they it come comes out, out and – yeah. It's yeah. like the Japanese people who get like their one week of annual leave a year just go mental at yeah. Club Med. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Like they're doing sculling and in every single competition and it's yeah. the latest, loudest at the bar and then they go off to their submissive workforce yeah. culture and, and at the end of the event yeah. for the next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they really bust out. Like kids so, who can't have uh, sh- sugary drinks or lollies at home, when they come over, will just start raiding it. Yeah, like it's yeah. Like they've just dug up. Um, Blackbeard's oh, treasure. Yeah, yeah. And they, they discovered the holy grail. Yeah, so, get... so you hold someone back from something they want it more. Yeah. It's a basic marketing premise. So so, so what's the Based on that, to... people must really want your comedy. <laughs> <laughs> because you haven't been sharing. No, I have not been. So and I think maybe that's true because when I put up a post on Facebook, I don't do it all the time, but when I do, oh, it's well received. Like seagulls you know? at, at yeah, the course. Yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, it is. It's like a lot, a lot of likes on there. So, but here's the thing. After these festival seasons over, this is like what I did last year. Remember when I went to the states and I, I gave myself that month to be proactive, put heaps of video, and then I say I, I commit to doing it for that month, yep. and then I say I'm going to reevaluate after that month, mm-hmm. and then after that month, my reevaluation is usually, oh well, that was all right, and then I just go back to normal Joel and I don't post anything for ages. Yeah. And this festival season, I've been. I'm going to be proactive. So who knows what happens in, in two weeks' time when all the festivals are wrapped up and done. And it's like a lot of things at the beginning. You're not going to get much feedback at all. Like um, Seth Godin is famous for saying that he felt for the first six years no one read any of his blog posts. Right. But now it's one of the most read daily blogs in the world. Right, right. So as an artist or a marketer, when you start out something, you don't expect huge results. Like even Greg, for example... Hey, Greg. Hey, um, when he was sending off design proposals to Ezra and I in the beginning, we sort of blew off the first one. I said, no, we've already got a site. And then the second time he sent it, I'm like, yeah, oh, well, we might try that uh, logo. And then after that, we said, oh, okay, well, we'll match the rest of the website. He kept persisting mm, and mm, sending mm, stuff. Mm. And in the end, we sort of gave him some promotion and took him under our wing, gave him some ideas and then he and then, ended up joining in the community and yeah. like life's completely changed for Yeah, Greg. he's got a big successful so business. Slow now. start, um, fast finish. Like yeah, you build up yeah. the momentum. 
Yeah, but it's good because you can hit the ground running then when the demand is there. It's not. It'd be worse having it the other way around, not having the flight oh. hours down and having the demand you and not being able to do meet a lot it. of damage if you have too much fame and you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, examples: winning the lottery. You yeah. got no money management skills. You get too much money. It all disappears within a year. Mm-hmm. You have to buy your Commodore mm-hmm. and a nice house and give away all the money to everyone who asked for it, and then you invest the rest poorly because you get yeah. approaches from sharks. Yeah, it's all gone. Uh, another example would be, you know, an artist who wins a show, has some a few years success and then fizzles out. So they don't have the chops to, yeah, to yeah. travel around the pub circuit or whatever. Yeah, I think there's some merit in in that gradual build up. Yeah, you know? sure. Chop wood. Well, hey, make fire, boil yeah, water. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm 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 ready. You ready? Yeah. You know, you, you, <laughs> when it happens, you have a strong foundation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld though shares that same sentiment that you just um, that you just said, James. Where through the fact he was offered the, uh, the Tonight Show, and he always remembers this guy that went on the Tonight Show and had his shot, but he wasn't quite ready, and he had one shot and blew it, and that was it. So Jerry kept a picture of him up on his fridge of this comedian, and when he was offered the Tonight Show initially, he turned it down, and then waited, waited, waited until he could do it. And then know that he could do another set on it and have that to back it up because he didn't want to do the first set, get that opportunity to come back, which they usually would do back when Johnny Carson was running it. And if you did the Tonight Show back in the day, you were made. You know, you're like a made man. Yes, so, he didn't take the quick. No, fix. no, he waited and waited, knowing that when he got that opportunity, he could back it up. So when he came back, bam, he hit him hard again, and then that had the roller, you know, roll-on effect, and and he, you know, rest That's is it. history. So it's about about. Pro- Preparation, meeting opportunity, and mm. all the timing being right. Yeah, <laughs> no, I feel, feel the same way actually. In my my own progression online, it was the yeah. same. Just chipping away at night. But you knew what you were doing then. No, I had you, no, no idea. No, 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 no. When you got the opportunity, you knew what you were doing. Yeah. Then. Now I'm just going around cleaning up my old sites, selling off my old domains, fixing yeah. up my brands, updating yeah. my logo, yeah. getting clear on who's my customer is who I do want to work with, who I don't want to work with, sure. how much I charge. These sort of things are now um, come with experience and confidence and it's it's getting um, much clearer yeah. and easier. And, you know, life in general seems better, yeah. but it's such a struggle in the beginning. Yeah, because and also, too, you're going into unknown territory and that's where the challenges are that make or break who, who the survivors are going to be, you know. like. But you look at any, you know, Joseph Campbell, he talks about it best, you know, when you're on a quest and you're going to figure it out, you've got to slay the dragon, you've got to figure out who you are inside and what you have to offer and, what you're, what, and why you're doing it. And, you know, and, and it's all those, those moments of despair when, you, when everything's going to fall apart. Like, in, like, you look at any great script for any film. Yeah. At that moment when everything's about to fall apart, when they're up against it, and they could walk away from it, but they stay and fight. When they think all is, like, all is lost, then the breakthrough happens. And, and conversely, when, and every single moment where all the stars are aligned and everything's about to work, the, the rule of everything that, that can go wrong, must go wrong, applies. Yeah, I just yeah. watched a whole TV series from start to finish and every single episode was riddled with this same just about formula. to work yeah, and yeah. then bang, something major setback. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah. And like just over it's like the and third over act. And over. Always in the third act, you've always got to have that, you the know. The tension, that, the drama yeah. and then what you 
you know, it was a fait accompli and then suddenly the whole thing scuttled and you've got to start again and, and they can build a whole series on that premise. Yeah, and yeah. It was fascinating storytelling. Yeah. And the open loops they leave before what they- What was this? Prison Break. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, I mean, it gets a little bit ridiculous towards the end of the series. But, yeah. you know, this, this whole the whole premise, they were worried about it not having much sustainability because it's right. this ridiculous premise. Yeah. Do you know the premise of this? Uh, uh, Basically, trying to break out of prison. Yeah, a brother, a brother gets his whole body tattooed with prison maps so they can go into prison on purpose and get his brother out who's on death row. Right. Okay. And they somehow managed like four seasons or something out of wow. this. Wow, this is a long escape. It, well, many, many escapes. It's like a series of escapes. What they go horribly wrong and then they get thrown back in. Well, after they go out of the main prison, then they end up going to another country and they get into prison in that country, and it just oh, like right. goes on and on, and then then they're in this constant battle with this evil company and blah, blah, blah. Right. But they, you know, just every time they're about to get everything sorted, like they're literally, they're literally. But do you feel slightly manipulated as a, as a viewer when you re- recognize that uh, formula after the first season that happens again and again? You're like, oh, come on. No, no, because that's really, uh, this is why Cialdini wrote the book Influence. You don't need to be the victim if you know how it works. If you know the rules, then you can see what's happening. It's like he points out the Hare Krishnas. They give the flower at the airport, and then just a little bit after that, they ask for a donation. Mm -hmm. So they're manipulating people with the the principle of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a, a gift. And just after that, I'll ask you for a favor. Right. And now you're compromised because they gave you something and you feel good about it. And then shortly after that is the bin where everyone dumps the flour and they pick it up and take it back to the start again and give it out again. And they do this. And they said all the houses in the valley are paid for by airport tourists. Really? Yeah. So the whole whole idea is you don't have to be influenced or manipulated against your will if you know what's happening. Right. If you know how it works. Right. So I was actually. But sometimes it's very obvious too, don't you think? Like, it is obvious, know? and I expect it, and that's how I, I actually. That's thought, how you deal with it. No, this is how I justify watching a TV series instead of working, because I realised that I am learning a, a storytelling craft that yeah. is immensely powerful. It can convert millions of viewers. It drives entire industries. It's wired into our DNA. Right. Understanding storytelling and open loops and drama and, and story arcs is actually one of the most valuable skills sure, for sure. business and life. Sure. In general, it's what we all respond to. You know, and that's where I history. realize there's a lot of commonality between comedy and magic and selling. Mm-hmm. They all involve this last-minute surprise turn. S- set up and reveal. Yes. It's all exactly the same. Sure. Sure. Are you, have you finished watching the series now? Yes. To Prison Break? Completely. So you're needing a new series to watch? I've watched many series. Have, have you watched Sopranos? No. All right. I've, just, I've had the, the whole set of the Sopranos for years. I've watched the first two seasons maybe three times. Like I've just started it and gone back and started it, and then I've started it again, but I'm going to make my way through the whole series. Why don't you watch The Sopranos? Okay. And then we can compare notes as we go yeah, along that on the be, podcast. Be good. Because Sopranos is like the big, every, that, that changed the face of TV. And I remember when it was when it came out, and they were like reading about. It, and I remember there was an interview with Brad Pitt when he was with Jennifer Aniston at the time. He said, "Whatever they're doing on a Sunday, they have to be home by that time to be able to watch it on HBO." 
and it didn't matter. And that was before downloads or before wow. any of that. Remember back in the day when you had to be at home to watch yeah, a TV at a show? Yeah, certain time. Yeah, and if you missed it, you're done. You're it's like, like we oh, used no. to watch MASH on Sundays or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Can't miss that. But yeah, The Sopranos and and the the great, just watching it again and just picking up, it's like flawless, you know, like with the, the acting is great. James Gandolfini and and the the writing is great and the directing and and just and, and the evolution of these characters and it's yeah it's really something to behold just watching it just watching the first season again you know wow and and then the great like writers like um, Terence Winter who then went on to create um, Boardwalk Empire he was one of the head writers on Sopranos and 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 seeing the crossover with different actors like Steve Buscemi he's in the Sopranos later on then he's the the lead in Boardwalk Empire and yeah, it's uh, it's just you know it, it, that set the bar uh, after after the Sopranos, TV was never going to be the same again. And also too, having the um, the protagonist being this guy who's you know essentially a mobster killing yeah. people yeah. that you as a viewer feel empathy for. And then the great way but of doing that's kind of like House of Cards. It's it's also um, half of Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, sure. Where the protagonist ends sure. up being the antagonist. Sure, sure. You know, but that, but that, that's, like I said, like it's set the bar for all of these shows now. But then again, you know, Shakespeare was doing that with Richard III back at, you know, he was despicable, but still you felt for him at times because you were, uh, I guess, through the soliloquy, you were allowed into what he was thinking, you know, or what these characters were thinking. And the great way of doing, I guess, the modern day soliloquy is putting someone in front of a therapist, you know, and so a lot of it, Tony Soprano sitting there revealing his his feelings, his thoughts, you know, candidly with this therapist. So you get into the the mindset of this guy through that technique, which uh, you know had never been seen before, like especially in a mobster style. You well, know, even in TV uh, show Prison film. Break, you, you kind of bond with some of the prisoners. I mean, mm. they're all prisoners. Mm. They did something. Yeah, they're sure. not lovely people. But, but the, yeah, but nothing's black and white. You know, as just because you understand why they did doesn't justify what someone in a prison does, but it gives you an understanding to go, all right, it's not just clear cut, you know? No, well, even the, some of the worst prisoners, you can't help but feel a soft spot for because you learn their characters and... Yeah, and their history, what they went through. and Yeah, their, you know. their parents shaped a lot of yeah, where they're sure, at. Yeah, sure, sure. And like I said, not like it's justifying what they did, but you can understand rather than going, they're, they're 100% evil and I don't want to know about it. So some know. stat like uh, America has like a third of the world's population but three quarters of the prisoners. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's big business, man. It's huge. Like, you, you see what they're now doing in the states with creating communities around prisons. You know, so it's like they have this big prison. All right, well, you we have people that have to travel to see them in a prison. So what do we do? We've got to set up motels. Okay. All right, they need to eat. All right, we put in fast food chains, McDonald's, and then suddenly this whole town grows out of you know a prison. So, Reminds me of that movie where there was like um, one day a year where you could do whatever you want without penalty. Oh, um, hang on. I have not seen this, but a pledge? No, not a pledge. Um, it's, it's a, something something like, like that. that yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it, but uh, I saw the cover of it in JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> That's one for your little DVD rack. Yeah, one day. yeah. <laughs> um, Netflix has opened up here in Australia. And yeah, yeah. It's good value. It is. It is. Well, Steve, um, our mate Steve Byrne, he he released his last hour comedy special, Champion, on Netflix. Yeah, so he didn't release it on DVD, didn't uh, just straight to Netflix. I was watching Carl Barron on there the other day. Oh, great! He's quite funny. Yeah, yeah, Carl is. He's he's, he's yeah. He's, he's got uh, one-ended. Stick oh yeah, oh yeah. I really like that um, 
that one. I feel that he was sort of pushing it a little more, like with, the, you know, what Carl thinks and feels at this time in his life. Yeah. You know, but he's, yeah, Carl's great. He's, um, he's really, a, you know, he's a great guy. His movie, is it going well? Well, it came out. Yes. I was, um, I, I was in it, don't blink. But you'll, uh, I was, I was in the film. Oh, I gotta watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, Manny Lewis. Right. So he, and, and it's interesting. He revealed a lot in that film too. You know, like he revealed a lot about his. Uh, Is that like Adam Sandler revealing a lot in his dark comedy one? Oh, um, Funny Business. Yeah. Is that what it was called? Funny Business. Yeah, yeah. And I like that film. You know, uh, got, uh, Funny Business. It was questioned in the reviews. You know, like because I think they were thinking it was going to be another sort of Judd Apatow style. Um, you know, riotous comedy when it had a bit more, you know, depth and it was a little darker than, than, than the other films. But it, you got into the psychology of what it is to be this successful guy who's not really happy with where he's at. Yeah. So, yeah, there's in a similar vein. It's a big market. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. The sad clown. Well, it's, it's, there's also like the, the market of people who are not happy with where they're at. Yeah, That's yeah, a huge one. sure, sure. So sometimes and, you get what you always thought you wanted, and when you get it, you don't want it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's um, yeah, the old "be careful what you wish for." That's why I I think about what I wish for. But but then, but then does that fall into the whole um the whole secret thing, the positive visualization and definitely there's an element to uh, to thinking about what you want, but yeah. that's not enough on its own. That's all. It's it's not about the vibration of it all it's more about the forward action towards yeah. it yeah yeah sure but what what you do it's okay to think about what doors you'd like to open but you've got to be ready to walk through them yeah that's uh, that's that should be a pamphlet and forget about all of these maybe a long big... t-shirt slogan <laughs> <laughs> but forget about all these self-help books and all of these seminars just put that on a pamphlet and say that's all you need to know yeah figure out the rest it's, um, it's, I was reading a great book called Essentialism and it was talking about focus. That's really the one word answer. That's like the Bill Gates and Warren Buffett commonality. Focus. Focus. Well, that's what the whole T25 is about, focus. Sean, T, Sean T's T25 focus. Well, there you go. And, and also it talked about how we've mutated the word priority into priorities. Right. And we tend to have too many things we're focusing on. Yeah, Which sure. means we, we fade our focus. And... You know what? I'm going to throw in a theory here. Get rid of the clutter. Yeah. Because I came back from the Melbourne Festival and I had my my suitcase at the end of the bed and I and I was just like stuff just thrown out of it in my bedroom, just all over the shop. And over the last few days, I just didn't get around to doing anything and it was like something was irking me. And yesterday I went through, went through my cupboard, took everything out of my cupboard, refolded everything, did washing, put it all back in, got the stuff out of the suitcase, put it where it needed to go, got rid of the suitcase. And this morning when I rolled out of bed, uh, although I rolled out of bed an hour late, belatedly, belatedly without my phone, and I could have been really upset about that, but I looked and the floor was all clean uncluttered and it made me feel good i was like this is this is good the same i i cleared out the pantry today in the kitchen and mm-hmm. and um just got it back to the basics yeah done the same in in most rooms now i've got a few hoodies left over from my event yes which i've been um lucky enough the to get most a hold of. recent recipient yeah i think uh, i've got like a lineage of hoodies what um, we should do is we should give away a super fast business hoodie. we should we should as a as a listener as a, yeah as a li- so what we, we, we so to write in to say 
about the show. So we just a, just a comment on uh, iTunes or something. Yeah, yeah. Just go go on on iTunes. Leave a comment about the, this show. What you've liked about this show, perhaps, or maybe what you haven't <laughs> liked. <laughs> Greg is going to win this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and um, Greg's already got one. Oh, of Greg! Well, then yeah. yeah, then he can't. He, he's oh, but, but you can he still could get a Greg. second one. You get a second one, mate. <laughs> At least we're guaranteed. Uh, Greg designed the logo, right? Yes. So oh, right. Well, then it's in his. Best so leave interest. a comment on iTunes, and if if um if we can figure out who it is, we'll send you one. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> this is the most half-assed. Well, we've got to be much clearer about this. Yeah, yeah. You got to leave us a message on, and then, I, then and then make a I comment think. on this episode. Yes, and, then, um, and, and tell us that you've left a review, and then we'll get in contact. So we can with email you, you back yeah. from that. We'll have yeah. your email address. And whoever's got the best comment will win this fabulous yeah. hoodie that I'm wearing now, which yeah. is perfect for winter. Been worn once by Joel. Yeah, yeah. It's winter time and it's ready to go. Yeah, it's you whatever know. size you need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you got gibbon arms, my one is perfect for you. Yeah, I think we actually have small. Medium, large, and extra large, uh, but they won't last. They're, they're going right. pretty quick. But the reason you've got them left over is because this has happened before, James, where you've mm. had a certain amount of people that have been booked in to come. Yep. And then and order the stuff, and then, and then you've sold out um, it with with your with your conference seminar, and then had to had to the last minute urgent order. La- yeah, and, and it's and but to do that smaller run is a lot more expensive than doing yeah, one so big you run. Get, I end up getting so, like another thirty or forty, yeah, or 50, and, fifty in this case. Yeah, and uh, and then occasionally someone at at the conference will forget to pick theirs up or not yeah. get it. So there's this little balancing act. What I don't want is for someone to come to the conference and not get there. For sure, for sure. And then this hoodie can become, you've got like leftover range and it can become like a collectible, a collectible like a pair of Jordan, still Jordan got, 4s. I've still got a, a fast web formula version one hoodie wow. in, in uh, the boot of my vehicle, uh-huh. which is a rare, 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 rare and, hoodie. And I can see this in future, just like Planet Hollywood, but more successful. Well, you've got the Papa Smurf edition. I got the Papa Smurf. I, I like the Papa FWF4. Smurf. Yeah, I like that. That's like pretty that rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. There are, and there's a few kicking back t-shirts floating around the universe. Right, there are a few. Yep. yep. And then there's... Just don't uh, wear them down along uh, Manly Promenade to get ridiculed <laughs> by school kids. <laughs> Yeah, so well, how about that? Le- leave us a comment on iTunes and come and make a comment on this post. Tell us you did it. Done. And uh, we'll, we'll hopefully mail out some hoodies in the next uh, – and it's got to be a, a date period. This is in uh, between the end of now and the yeah, end of May. Yeah, this can't be like in two years' time yeah. when we're, you know. Between now and the end of May yes. 2015. So was, don't come along in 2025 say, and say, I want my hoodie. Yeah. It ain't, it ain't here anymore. Yeah. It's gone. I was just about to say – don't come along in 2017 yeah. when we're doing our second podcast after this one. <laughs> and on that note, I have to say that um, we're going to be a lot more proactive like we were in the early days yeah, because we're, we're reinvigorated now. We are. This is, uh, I'm no longer, yeah, I'm going to be away throughout the year, but we're going to make this work. Just yeah. like we did. Remember when I was in the States for yeah, a we month and we were, we were like continuously pumping them out. Exactly. It, was, it was ridiculous. Like we were like so proactive. Oh, I'm keen for so, it. So kicking back is going to have its second win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, see you on the next episode. We'll see you then. You've been listening to another episode of Kicking Back with James Shramko and Joel Osborne. Visit kickingback.com for the show notes, pictures, and join the discussion.